1: This is Miles Boykin, and you're listening to Roster Watch.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today is a man that you've heard on the Sirius show previously, but brand new to the podcast. He is a not only a DFS player one of the one of the best preseason DFS players, maybe considered the the best DFS uh NFL preseason player out there. It's how I got to know him. His name is John Proctor, but he is also um also he's a he's a lawyer and all around smart dude. Proctor, awesome to have you on, brother. What 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 the hell's going on? Of course, man. Just I'm stoked. You know, it's like the
1: last year this time we were still wondering if we were gonna have football. So it's so much different this year. You know, we get training camps and stuff. And that that's my bread and butter. I just want to know
2: Who's gonna be on the field, you know, come preseason and come September. How badly did you miss it last year with the with the preseason stuff? It was it was brutal. I mean, I, <laughs> I you 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 don't realize how
1: much that affects your your regular season play when you spend so much time with training camp stuff and then come regular season, I just felt like I was so out of the loop.
2: It also, I mean, for me personally, it's also it's it's also helped me to Feel, feel more comfortable sort of fire, firing more at the beginning of the season because generally, you know, it's so much easier to have success during the DFS. pre. There's just so much, so much more dead money in there. I wonder though, we've had a year off from it. I, I mean, I, I I know you're not going to be rusty, you know, like because it's just, it's just the same thing every year, but boy, just, and we were talking off screen. It's, it's funny for people. It's like whenever I first met John I, and he was doing his DFS preseason content i was like jesus man i wish this guy would quit do- <laughs> i wish this guy would quit doing this podcast because really he was he was giving he was give- giving out such good information doing the hard research that um everybody else was um not not doing and they're just you can, you can listen to the, the old podcast that john had um with scott barrett the, the dfs power hour pod honestly r.i.p to that pod one of the awesome one of the awesomest uh, just fantasy podcasts of all well. it was fun it was informative it was like uh the, the the two personalities meshed very well and the good news is that proctor is now back with scott barrett on the fantasy points at dfs live stream every week um i believe does does graham barfield go on that with you guys <laughs> yep yep just yes. the three of us so that that's three super smart guys uh, i would encourage you to go check it out over there at fantasypoints.com but um I and so Proctor, I know you're not going to be like I know you're not going to be rusty or anything, right? like it's just the same process. But it's new that in some ways it'll be new this year. Like I was just talking to Chris Gemino, who I'll be doing some of the stuff with over on Roto Grinders this this year, like usual. And I was just saying because generally, like I just tell him, look, I'm not going to do the week four or or the. I guess technically the week five, but it's called the generally the week four slate. I'm not doing it. It's too much. It's too much work. It's coming right up into the season. We have all of our season long stuff to do. We have every team playing. It's all the complete scrubs. You, You know, it's like it's probably the hardest one of the year. And so I said, but now with this new preseason, I'm not sure what week that's going to be. I don't know what the dress rehearsal week is going to be. We have such good data going back so long about, you know, not only what teams would do in these spots, but also um, uh, what particular teams or particular coaches might do there. You know, there's some coaches that do more stuff in week two than they did in week three. And there's some, how are you approaching it? And do you have any inkling so far about how the flow is going to go through the course of the preseason from the scrubs to the, to the more of the dress rehearsal? And then do, do you think that like, how, how, how do you think we're going to be with one less game? How do you think it's the, that's going to go?
1: I honestly don't know yet. Um, I think a lot of that we're going to figure out as we see how teams approach. Because I think teams are going to approach training camps differently this year, too, after you know the, the way that injuries were last year. I think um, we're going to see training camps are going to probably be a little bit slower than they would have been in the past, even though things are shortened, um, I mean, you look at last year, zero RB was like the best thing in the world because everyone was hurt all the time. So I do think that coaches are going to be more injury cognizant this this training camp in this preseason than, you know, than going forward. But I also think that's going to differ coach by coach. You know, there are, you know, the Urban Myers who I think are going to, you know, just approach this like it's a normal NFL season because, you know, they don't really get it.
2: <laughs> has
1: Herbert has, has urban meyer show, show, shown you this far uh, that you don't really feel like he gets it i i don't what's the over-under for him coaching two
2: years yeah, it's gotta it gotta be i think that i think just the name brand and the recognition and the fact that shot Khan is kind of this sort of this you know not i wouldn't he's he's not a conservative I, I'm shit. I don't, I don't know anything about how he's politically, but I, but I don't mean a conservative like that. I just mean kind of old school with how he doesn't feel like he would make sort of rash decisions and, you know, hire somebody and fire them that that quickly. I think he would especially a big name like Urban Meyer. It seems like he would be sort of be a trust the process kind of kind of seems, kind of guy. It seems like his son is kind of quick to the trigger, though. <laughs> yeah. And I know that he's you know more and more involved. Right. Right. And we know the sons and we know the fathers and sons can, can sometimes, <laughs> differ, sometimes differ, sometimes oh, yeah. different personalities. Um, did, did Did you like the the Travis Etienne pick? I mean, just as far as like from a, yeah. I know it's, it's always bad to pick a running back in the first round, but just from a sort of a scheme standpoint. Yeah, I, I, I do. And I think that he's a really
1: interesting player this year and that, I mean I think his his ADP seems just especially for ball, just wrong. I mean I don't see how by week 10 he isn't getting more touches than than James Robinson. You know I mean people just want to love these UDFA stories but they don't really ever pan out. I mean the the history on them there there especially with the new coaching staff. I mean this guy means nothing to the to the Jaguars and so you know you're getting this discount for for Etienne because urban Meyer saying all this weird stuff, but I don't see, I don't see how he's not used as, you know, I don't know, maybe uh similar to 2020 Deandre Swift in the later half of the season, something along those lines. I mean, I, I doubt he's going to be a, you know, a workhorse, but he's definitely worth the picks, you know, the well,
2: pick range he's going now. Well, so, all right. So, so ETN is going probably to a whole two, something, what two to two and a half rounds later than Najee Harris, because I'm not sure in the, I don't know, you know, not some, I've sort of transitioned from best ball over to just doing these redraft simulations against the ADPs from the from the various sites. But, I mean, I can get Travis Etienne sometime at the beginning of the fifth round, whereas Najee Harris, it seems like he's always gone sometime in the second round. I just wonder, I was reading this article on The Athletic just earlier today from one of their – I forget which one of their boomer-ass beat writers <laughs> it was who was writing this. But how is it all those guys are so old and stodgy that, that, that cover the Steelers? They just – I mean – they that's uh, the that's the biggest bunch of boomers I've seen as far as a, as far as a yeah, beat. and most of their beats are they're so grumpy on top of it. Like not <laughs> only are they a boomer, but they've got that like boomer grump to go with it too <laughs> well, they generally go hand in hand um, <laughs> anyway one of them one of them was saying uh that there was a there was like an edict like a diktat you know that came down from the very top it came down from Rooney and it went and it and it, it went from Rooney to Colbert. To Tomlin, all the way down to to, to new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, saying, we, we need to get back to running the football. We need to run the football much more. We need to do all this. Obviously, they made it clear that that was going to be the case when they took Najee Harris. But I was just doing our offensive line rankings over at Roster Watch, And I just like, I didn't mean for it to come out like this, clearly. But I mean, it was, it's, it's the worst offensive line in the league. They lost. They lost yep. Villanueva. They lost Pouncy. They lost to Castro. And they're filling these guys. They're filling in these guys with players who aren't good. Um, yeah. The out bad metrically just from us, uh, from a from a, a um, from a standpoint of evaluation coming out. But then if you look at their pro football focus grades, sports info solutions and adjusted line yards of places they've been previously. These these aren't good players. Um, so how can you just turn on a run game? It doesn't feel like that's what you It's not just a just add water thing, right? You need to you need to have the offensive line. You need, I mean, you need to clearly have the culture. Maybe you need to have help with the defense. It just it feels to me like whenever whenever the Seattle Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, saying they, we need to get back to the days of beast mode, and it's like, well, shit, man. Like, how are you get back to the days of beast mode? We don't have the Legion of Boom on defense. You don't have the your offensive line sucks. So, do, are you are you on the other on the other side of the coin? This is a long winded question, man, but I'm just trying to on. <laughs> On, on 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 the other side of the coin, Najee Harris is really good, and clearly he's going to get the opportunity. How do you weigh that dichotomy? <clears throat> so you remember, like uh, you know, you had the the
1: D'Angelo Williams year, where mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he wasn't like exceptional exceptional um or anything but you know he was like solid but the fact that he was like the Steelers running back made him so valuable and so I think the you know the upside that that Harris has is being the quote-unquote Steelers running back of old that we haven't seen because you know James Conner couldn't stay healthy for more than you know three weeks at a time and even if he runs for like 3.3 yards per carry you know if he gets 200 plus carries and he gets 80 targets and all the goal line work, then he's going to probably beat his ADP. But the the downside is that he has to be that Steelers running back to, to pay off that ADP. If his role is at all a committee type work, then he's going to be a total bust. So that's something that's going to be tough to feel out. I think training camp is going to be really important in that. Um, because I know that there you know there are people that would take Najee Harris you know end of the first beginning of the second and there's other people that won't touch him until the third so his his ADP sort of sort of fluctuates draft by draft it feels like
2: the 2021 roster watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed as long as you follow the rules, the three simple rules that a toddler could follow. This sheet is magical. It's mystical. It is mythical. It is the Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. Only at Rosterwatch.com I just I wonder though, like it's a good point that you brought up, D'Angelo, and I get it. It 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 has been plug and play, and whenever and whenever James, even with James Conner before, he felt like he was got so he got so fragile so quick. Um, it, even then, like we're, are are we just are we just not considering the fact that the offensive line just probably had a lot to do with that back back then? I'm just. I just I I just wondered like how much does it matter the fact that the offensive line has been so greatly degraded where it was like the number six projected offensive line in the league last year. Now it's dead last in the league. Can you just go back to running the football? And or maybe in some ways could you think that if the line isn't that good, Ben's getting old, he needs to get the ball out quickly. Maybe it could lead to more receptions for for Najee. It feels like there's so many conflicting points with him.
1: Yeah, well, it's you know, he he will either be you know, 2015 Melvin Gordon, or he could be 16, 17 Melvin Gordon. You know, it really just matters. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Like I like that.
2: Yeah. I like that. It's because, and um, it, it, because, and and he could, if the offense, if the offense can't move the football very well, he could have a, he, it could be a season like, as you mentioned, that 2015 Melvin Gordon, where it's just like the touchdowns are hard to, hard to, uh, <laughs> hard, hard to get the crack at.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, if he gets, you're you really you need him to to have that Le'Veon bell d'angelo williams role if he doesn't have that role if somebody else is getting the goal line carries then you know he's
2: the worst pick in in the second round (laughs) probably so what about clyde edwards he it feels like he's just getting so much buzz from around the around the community people just always want people to bounce back are are you are you in on clyde i i
1: was when he was like uh you know third fourth round pick, I thought Mm -hmm. he was just a phenomenal pick because you know the downside is what he's the same thing as last year and that's fine. But the upside was that he was what we wanted him to be last year. But now you're you you are paying sort of for him doing what people want him to do. I mean to, to take him in the middle of the second and he's starting to creep up
2: seems seems a little rich. Right. I mean, he's right. I think I would still prefer Najee Harris over Clyde, but I have them in the, have them in the same kind of tier. The other guys I have in that tier, I'd be interested to see just how you sort of, you know, if you agree that these guys should be in the same tier or whether there's any that really stand out to you. I always have trouble with Joe Mixon. What the hell am I going to do with this guy every year? You know, talk about a bad offensive line. His should, it should be getting, it should be getting better. The offense should be getting better. Um, But I just, boy, it feels like every year it's just the old banana in the tailpipe with, with Joe Mixon, and then I, I feel like Antonio Gibson might also sort of be in that tier where it's just like, can I? I, lo- I loved him coming out. I I had him everywhere last year, but it's like, can I trust him to be, you know, to 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 continue at this pace whenever he was so butchered by his touchdown performance last season. For for Gibson, for me, it's it's trying to figure out what's going on with the foot. Um
1: Seems like everyone sort of just like forgot about that, um, mm-hmm. but he's—I mean, he's a—he is a non-zero percent chance of needing a you know mid-season surgery, so there there is a, a, a slim risk with him that that a lot of the other guys don't have you know you, you can say oh everyone's a risk to, ha- to have a surgery but and, like,
2: and, we, and we talked about mixing too earlier but that, do you remember how that was last year it's like he hurt right. his foot and then they're like oh he'll be back in two weeks and it's like yeah. oh shit it's gonna be another two weeks and yeah next thing you know it's been eight weeks and he's still not playing that, feet are that, always that so too. tricky yeah there's still there could still be something there yeah but yeah
1: because G- Gibson's still wearing um there's like the sleeve that he has to wear and and they're you know they're managing that so that's something that I think is going to be really important in, in training camp. You know, if he's, if he's all systems go, I think Gibson is the, the best pick in that group. But if I don't get a, a sure answer on where he's at, then I probably prefer Mixon, And I do like that people are starting to sour on Mixon a little bit. Um, I, you know, the, removing Giovanni Bernard from the, from the mix is just so, so big and, and people want to battle over it, but it just is what it is. I mean, you removed a legitimate, third down pass catching running back from the mix and they don't have anyone to really re-
2: replace him. So it, it should be mixing if I had to bet on it. If if you end up not going running back early in any of your drafts, I know that's a sort of a popular thing to do this year. There's so much, I can't believe how much content there is now on <laughs> best ball out there with different constructions. And yeah. it's gone from just like the players that you like to the kind of constructions that are most viable and everything like that. But even once you start talking about those constructions and what people talk about now is the, what the hyper fragile stuff where you just go with the four running backs, nine, nine wide receivers. And then you kind of choose between your two and your three running backs or your two and your three tight ends. Whenever you go that route, you usually have to take some of these later round running backs, even if you go with, you know, one or two higher end guys. And so some of the guys who I hear people sort of talking up or that they're interested in, uh, and by all means, if there's somebody who I don't list, let me know. But these are the guys that I hear people talk about when we start getting into the seventh round or so. Uh, people are interested in Javante Williams. They're interested in Trey Sermon. Um, you hear a lot of talk about Damian Harris. Some people are into Michael Carter there with the Jets. Um you know Raheem Mostert goes around the same time as Trey Sermon. That's a tough thing to figure out, but boy, that's a great schedule for for running backs there for San Francisco. Uh, if people even go a little bit later, you know, some people opt for these kind of backups like the Tony Pollards or the AJ Dillons of the world. This type. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that. you know, And then of, of course, super late for the for the super for this you know for the people that just want to you just gluttons for punishment you know these guys will take the naheem Hineses or the jamal williamses or people like this is there any pocket in there or any particular players i mentioned or, or others that you think if you're kind of trying to fill out your running back group that that you're most interested in
1: yeah i think and i think the players that that i mostly want to focus on Then, and i think one thing though just to just to note on the on the best ball that that sort of people have gotten away from a little bit in the past few weeks is that I mean, you have to have real running back production. I think, you know, one of the things that everyone learned early on and and best before, you know, before people were getting good at best ball, when we were doing best ball on, you know, MFL 10s and and all those other Mm -hmm. websites. I mean, it was so easy to be profitable by building proper roster construction, you you know, in the early draft season of like May and, and June, there was so much content about the optimal draft construction that, you know, running backs were going off the board insanely fast. Um, but that has started to slow down. So I think it's really important for people to, to remember the, you know, the basics and you want to have in the first four rounds, You you generally want to draft one or two running backs because you need to have somebody who's, starting week one you draft all these guys you know you draft these guys (laughs) you don't want tony pollard in there week one (laughs) right you know and you're spending like real draft capital on a guy like tony pollard because everyone sees him as you know if zeke gets hurt you have to have tony pollard to win and that's not necessarily true if zeke doesn't get hurt until week 11 and you know you're not you have to win your leagues to get into those playoff rounds um so yeah i think the the guys you know i would rather have a guy like naheem hines than, than tony pollard because he is if there's an injury to Jonathan Taylor Naheem Hines will benefit similar to Tony Pollard because he'll be way more involved but mm-hmm. he's also going to be on the field earlier in the season either way um so you look at those kinds of guys or like a, a Gus Edwards
2: who's going to get some touches um you know Devin Singletary what what do you think of Gus i mean you're there and ball, i didn't mean to cut you off and all let you get to the rest of them. but like you, you you're a you're in the like what the western Jeez, what did I say? Western Maryland. Western Maryland I, yeah, I get all those states up there mixed up. But but you're you're kind of by Baltimore. You're a Baltimore Ravens fan, although you felt a, you seemed a bit aggrieved earlier when I asked you about it. Well, like, how do you see that playing out? Is is it going to be Gus Bus for forty percent of the snaps? I mean, they like him.
1: You know, every
2: he's, people are he's upset. actually kind of a he, he's actually kind of a good football player.
1: He he fits what they do. um, He does what they want him to do. You know, he's not and everyone's like, oh, you know, he doesn't catch passes. But the thing is is like they're not throwing the ball to running backs. You know, that's not it doesn't really matter that he doesn't catch passes. He does exactly what they want him to do. So, you know, he's gonna take from Dobbins more than people want him to take, and that's just how it's gonna be. Um, I think Dobbins is a is a tough pick for what you pay for him. Obviously, he has, you know, league winning upside if they decide to let him have ninety percent of the snaps, but I just I don't think that's going to happen uh, outside of a Gus Edwards injury. I mean, they they tagged Gus Edwards. They give him money. You know, he has survived roster cuts for multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a popular guy, and they're going to play him.
2: Is there any other value? Is there any other value to be, to be mined? You think from 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 the Ravens this year? So pe- people are starting to get back high on Lamar Jackson again. They're baking in the fact that he is going to. I mean, I, I saw that uh, – I I heard Evan Silva had Lamar Jackson as his QB1 preseason, um, which to me feels like it's kind of baking in some kind of projection already that he's going to have an epic re- return to form. Is that, what, is, is that something that you see coming? I think he
1: – I mean, he should have a better year than last year. Um, does he get back to, you know, 2019 to be seen? I mean, this is the best group of pass catchers he's ever had um they've done a lot of work on the offensive line um they started to have some issues late last season um so I think that's you know they have really focused on on putting him in the position to succeed I would hope that the coaching staff realizes how stagnant things got last year and they they make some changes there too that'd be my my hope but uh yeah I mean I think he should be a you know top three drafted quarterback I mean you don't get that rushing you know we always talk about the quarterback evolution where you need these runners um, there's no other quarterback that can give you you know a hundred rushing yards multiple times a season so especially on draftkings with um, the rushing bonuses on on best ball um, I think he's in, he's even more valuable there than some of the half PPR sites where they he's not going to get the bonus for, for going over a hundred.
2: Was it a mistake to, was it a mistake to take Marquise Brown at, I even forgot what it, what they took Marquise Brown and what was it? Number 25 overall in 2019. I'd have to go back and look through in 2019 and see who they, who all they passed on. But I mean, definitely. I know that AJ Brown went a lot. I mean, yeah. clearly it was a mistake for, from the guy who they, you know, they, they could have had AJ Brown or, DK Metcalf or one of these guys but like look is there still hope for Marquise Brown did you like I never even asked you Like, did you like that pick and how is like how how do you think he's coming along or how does he fit I always hate when a when a guy like that goes so high you know it's like you're
1: hoping he's like the next to Sean Jackson when you know I don't think there really is the next to Sean Jackson you know we'll keep searching for them (laughs) but I mean the the when 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 a running or when a wide receiver goes in the first round, you know, you you want them to be that, you know, that alpha X wide receiver. Marquise was never going to be that, especially when you don't have one already. I mean, Baltimore didn't have that. They haven't had that in in years since they lost um, you know, Anquan Bolden and you know, the Anquan Bolden Tory Smith combo, they haven't had, you know, a real set of wide receivers since then. And they just have such a bad track record of drafting wide receivers, especially in the first round. But it's it's hard to imagine the Ravens having success drafting a wide receiver. I mean, you look at Marquise Brown, you look at Perryman, you go back, you know, 10 years and there's a bad wide receiver pick every single time.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's I just did you think that Rashad Bateman was a bad wide receiver pick? it's one of
1: those like, Oh, I liked Rashad Bateman. And then when the Ravens drafted him, I was like, Oh, well, he's probably a bust. How
2: about, how about, uh, how about some of the, any of these guys who are being taken as far as at the very top, we, I talked about it on the serious XM show, but one of the things that I like to do, if, if, you know, if there's a big, big running back run in some of these drafts, I can go a couple of wide receivers early because I know that there's going to be some kind of Chris Carson's and Deandre Swift's and, we talked about J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you, know, you can have your worries about him, but, but you know, if you're getting him in the fourth round, it feels okay. Miles Sanders is going late. We talked about Travis Etienne and, of course, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. Sometimes you can go with these wide receivers early. Are you finally back in on Devontae Adams? Um, if, if, yeah. Uh, it, it feels like – I think, like, I think you like got, a- you got to start taking him now. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, he's, he's still sometimes going in the second round. Yeah, um, this is this is it. I mean, once Rogers officially is is back, I mean, most of the books have him what in the like minus 300, minus 400, minus I 500 minus, to come back.
2: Oh, I saw minus four. I saw minus 400 on Friday, but right. I haven't checked since.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks like everything points to him being back. And if what, there's a 60, 70 percent chance of him being, being back, then. Devonte Adams in the second round is completely mispriced. I mean, obviously if Rodgers is back, he's the wide receiver 1 and he's going as the wide receiver 3 or
2: 4. Do you so you like Devonte Adams over Tyreek Hill if you know that Rodgers is back? Yeah. What about um, how 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 do you stack up guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, uh, Stefan Diggs? Is there one of those guys that that you prefer over the others? Yeah, I think for me it's
1: like I going into the Rogers uncertainty, I had Hill digs and then Adams and then, yeah. and then Hopkins. Um, but now obviously for me, I mean, you, you don't want to take Devonte Adams in the first round because you can still get him in the end of the first beginning of the second right now, yeah. but he would, he would jump digs and, and Hill for me.
2: So that's kind I'm, I'm struggling with the Hill and the Adams stuff, but I had it exactly how you had it. Uh, I've 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 now since there's still a little since we don't know completely as far as Adams I I still have Hill just 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 above him but I think he's fine to take right and I think you can get him easily at the 111 uh, if if he's over there at the 111 I like those picks there and then um, when we get to the more of the three four turn. I've been interested in seeing where it does it feel to you like Amari Cooper is, is falling and have people forgotten <laughs> that he was the wide receiver one when Dak right. Prescott was, was healthy last year?
1: I don't understand why CD
2: Lamb is going before Amari Cooper. I just I don't know because don't, people don't love to love CD and I mean I get it I love CD too yeah. and if I were just picking players for an NFL team I might pick CD Lamb just because he was such a great prospect but I mean Amari still you know Amari still looked like <laughs> I mean Amari looked right like, Am, he looks really the, good. Last the guy would really be last year.
1: The guy, the guy. You know, if you're looking for the guy on the Cowboys who can put up 202, it's it's Cooper. Right. I mean, that's just you know the role that he had with with when Dak was healthy was just the best of the three, and so and we also saw you know people seem to forget, but late last last season there were times where CeeDee Lamb was was being rotated out for some of these other wide receivers, which was I mean it was odd, um, but it happened. Um, and I don't think if Cooper's healthy, he's never coming off the field for whatever I forget. I forget
2: these guys, what even their names were, but you know, it did happen. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, and the offensive line is going to be better. Like you said, man, like some of these dudes, it's, uh, what's like. You know, we were talking about the Bendinuccies of the world and stuff like that that are that are leading that are were leading that offense at times at times last season. All right. Um, Proctor, I'm gonna ask you one more question. I'll give you it right now so you can have some time to think about it while I'm while I'm going over where they can where they can find you. The question is gonna be just the one player in best ball. I don't care where he's going or you know, it doesn't have to be a value or sleep or anything like that, but it's the one player you, you you know you, that you find yourself either getting or really wanting to get based on where their current ADP is. Um, but for everybody else, you can find Proctor on Twitter at John Proctor DFS. He has the Fantasy Points uh, live stream, which, uh, of course, our great friends over there at Fantasy Points. I mean, that's that's Grant Barfield, and it's John Hanson, and it's all you know, it's like Adam Kaplan, who you hear on the series XM show every week. Of course, Scott Baird, who's been on this podcast and on the radio show a million times. We certainly love those guys over there, and you should go support them. Graham Barfield, just, I mean, too many good contributors to list. Proctor also has the Two in the Bank podcast with a great friend of the pod, Nixon, who's been on here a couple times. Uh, What's the name of Nixon's band? I was Framing Framing Hanley. Framing Hanley, the singer there, and also a a great fantasy mind uh, on his own. They'll be bringing that podcast back this year. And of course, for all of your legal for all of your legal needs, you can find him at, uh, you can find him at uh, Proctor Proctor Law, PA. All right, <laughs> Proctor. Yes, the, the, the people need to hear it. Your biggest target it, right now in ball. is Chase Edmonds, um, and I think
1: everyone sort of like lost him. Like you know, last year everyone was like, "Oh, Chase Edmonds." You know, every time. Kenyon Drake would miss a game. Chase Edmonds would be like the highest on running back on the slate, and then he has an injury and a couple bad games, and now nobody wants him. They, you know, James Connor is going to come in and, and take over that role over Chase Edmonds. I mean, the 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 running back that we should be targeting in Arizona is Chase Edmonds, and then James Connor should be like the zero running back pick. But they're two rounds apart, and that just doesn't make doesn't make any sense. So, for me, it's Chase Edmonds. I think he is the best chance to be the running back one in, in Arizona. I don't think we're going to get a, a you know three down hundred percent workhorse role, but you're getting him in like the fifth or sixth round because people just like don't like the guy anymore after after one bad season. It just sort of reminds me of of when you write off a guy that everyone you know really liked and then he comes back and and does really well and and that's sort of what i have a feeling we might see with, with chase edmonds and he's definitely worth that
0: that pick